This episode of the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast is brought to you by CRE Launch Pro. This online commercial real estate program is designed to take you from beginner to pro commercial real estate investor with access to all of my courses, our online community, and monthly group coaching calls. Learn how to confidently buy your first commercial property today at www.crelaunchpro.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast. Today, we're back in the studio with Roberto Gutierrez. Really excited to be diving into this conversation. We're talking about converting office space into multifamily. So can it be done? How expensive is it? And what other things should you be keeping in mind as you are exploring this process? It's been a very hot topic here recently with, you know, the, uh, I guess, office space dilemma, you could call it, in the United States, where a lot of companies seemingly are not going back to to working together in buildings, right? So what are we going to do with all of this office space is just sitting vacant? And what has been trending here recently is, oh, why don't we just convert it into housing? We've got an affordable housing issue. There's not enough units in the market. Let's just go ahead and turn them into apartments. But there are some special considerations that you need to keep in mind as you go through that. So Roberto is a partner at Jackson Builders here in Nashville. We have been crossing paths for years now. We've actually worked on a, a handful of projects together. And they are kind of the experts that I lean on whenever I'm looking at construction pricing, construction feasibility. So wanted to get them in here to talk about what it looks like actually converting these buildings into into apartments. So Roberto, that was a brief introduction of yourself, uh, but tell us a little bit more about who you are. Yeah, sure. So I'm Roberto with uh, Jackson Builders, one of the managing partners. We're a general contractor, residential and commercial here in Nashville, and we've successfully built over 200 homes in the Nashville area and worked on a, a number of commercial buildings throughout the area. So it's probably close to uh, 90 or 100 successful projects. So uh, we build for others, mainly uh, work for investor and developer clients, and we're developers and investors ourselves. So um, we think that differentiates us because uh, we, we look at things through both sets of lenses. And uh, yeah, we've been getting a lot of questions recently about converting um, existing office buildings into, into condos, into residential. Yeah, I love that approach that you all have because it does bring you, it gives you a unique perspective on how to actually make this work from the investor and developer side, not right. just from a, a construction standpoint. So I guess the first question, Roberto, is can it be done? Yeah, so it, it can definitely be done. Um, there's a lot of things to take into consideration because it it is commercial construction. Um, my suggestion to clients that reach out, um, well, really first I ask them, what does the building look like? Are we looking at a two or three story structure? Um, you know, with or without elevators? Does it have steps that lead up? Um, there's a lot of considerations there for life safety and access. Um, from there, if it is something that's going to be complex and intricate, usually I suggest that uh, that we get engineers involved um, because it's really all about defining the defining the scope and and what's actually what it's actually going to take to uh, successfully convert it. So yeah, it can be done. Yeah. Awesome. So first thing to check, of course, if you're looking at doing this on one of your properties is the zoning, right? Make sure that it's not just strictly office zoning because that is not going to work uh, unless you want to go through a rezoning process. So Roberto, talk to us about the actual conversion process. We'll get into costs here in a minute, right. but let's let's assume that we've got you know, a two-story office building and maybe a 10-story high-rise. What are the differences between the construction of those two buildings that we need to be aware of going into an apartment conversion? A really good question. So, um, on, so they all have similar considerations, but they get you know much more complex as as you go higher, as you get into larger buildings. So, uh, one is plumbing, right? 
you know, in office buildings, you probably will have a lobby or a central area with elevators and, and bathrooms, but depending on how you're going to be chopping up that space and adding in, um, adding in all these showers and bathrooms on that same floor, you have to make sure that you can tie it to that existing sewer line. Usually there's just one central main that runs down through that building. Right. And depend, you know, there's of course minimum fall for sewer. So depending on how far away you're going to be from that, you know, you, you may have to tap into it, connect to it, um, below the ceiling of the next floor down. So you may end up having to sacrifice ceiling height, things of that nature. Um, then also mechanical, right? HVAC. Usually most, uh, most tenants are going to want their own thermostat. You may have one or two per floor. So you're going to have to figure out a way to retrofit that system. Um, because you've probably also already got the tonnage there to service it, but just how they're going to be used individually, you know, so that person can, can set it to their comfort. Um, and a really big one is, uh, life safety. And this gets even more important in the taller buildings. Um, you know, fires essentially is what that is, right? If you've got a two or three story building, there's ways to get around using fire sprinklers. Um, you're not even required to have elevators in some cases if you're not, if you're not, uh, past, past a certain height. Right. But if you get into like a, a 10 story building, you know, you're, you're likely you're already going to have sprinklers there. Right. But in something shorter, like you may have to add sprinklers. Um, and you know, that can just be, you're just cutting, cutting everything up at that point, you know? So, um, it's hard to, um, it's hard to define that scope. So that's why I recommend getting with some engineers. Ideally, you could find the plans for the building that you already have, and then you can give it to some professionals and, you know, they'll be able to see what is this really going to take? What are the challenges we're going to run into, you know, structurally as well? You know, say it's, it could be simple to say, I'm going to run the sewer line here and connect here, but you might be running into like, you know, a big truss, a big metal truss, some super important framing member for the building. Um, so, I, you know, I think you got to get the right professionals involved to see what it's going to take, define that scope. It probably will cost some money, but I think kind of getting a feasibility analysis done from the start is key. That's because, right. I mean, yeah. yeah, having having the right team on board is, is pretty much everything when it comes oh, yeah. to that because it's, sure. it's going to be intense, right? I mean, you're not building ground up where it's very easy to sit in a room, design yeah. it, and then go out there and build it. Um, and if you, of course, if you don't have the floor plans of the building, you can always shoot as built, right? Right. But that's another expense you need to add to the table. If yep. this is something that you're considering, you know, we consulted on, or I consulted on the development of a, of a project here in Nashville. that was a, a motel to apartment conversion. And then my team managed it. And one thing that that developer found when they were going through the process is a change of use triggers all codes requirements. Mm-hmm. So it was an older building. And they wanted to change it to apartments. And this was something they hadn't accounted for. So when they went through and submitted their permits, well, they got flagged to update all the ADA, all of the electrical, all of the plumbing. They ended up having to bring everything up to today's code, which that added quite a bit to the bottom line. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I didn't even mention that. You know, I was thinking through, okay, what are... What's going to be really nuanced here, but yeah, absolutely. Whenever you're you're updating a, an older, it can even go for residential as well. But any older building um, here in Nashville and pretty much any any large municipality, they're going to make you take that up to current current standards. And uh, yeah, that's a lot of work. You know, sometimes it could it could cost more than building that thing new, that's depending right. on what you know what that shell is that you're working with. Yeah, I mean, what I've found more often than not is that adaptive reuse is almost always more expensive mm-hmm. than just building new construction. We found that out on the wash. You know, when we developed, we turned a car wash into five micro restaurants and a bar. Yeah. And 
we were restricted. We couldn't tear the building down because the city was going to condemn 20 feet of right away. So we had to work within the existing structure. And wow. man, would it have been easier to just tear everything down and build it new? <laughs> yes, I bet. It was miserable. And, and so we we actually did a bit, talking about the HVAC, we did a project in Chattanooga uh, that we were converting from office to multifamily. They're going to be micro apartments. And we found a solution for the HVAC uh, that I thought was pretty interesting. Because at first we were like, should we just do window units and all mm -hmm. of the in all of the spaces, you know, it's going to make it look ugly, but right. you know, I don't know how we're going to run duct in here and deal with all of that. And there are some thermostat solutions out there that keep everybody on the same, I guess on the same system, mm -hmm. but allow you basically within four degrees to kind of control the temperature in your unit, right? Which, I mean, if you think about four degrees, you know, there's some people that like 68, and there's some people that like 72, and that's that gives you pretty much the latitude that you really need as a Oh, tenant. absolutely. Yeah. There's all sorts of like automatic and programmable dampers that you can you can use in there to help uh help do some things like that that really take that cost down you know as opposed to just having to totally revamp the system exactly yeah. yeah and so i know that the cost of converting office to multifamily can can vary greatly yeah right i mean it's like are we talking about buying a honda or a ferrari Absolutely. right when you're asking Absolutely. me how much a car costs right so you know if you're if you're converting into micro apartments that's going to be totally different than if you're doing luxury apartment units, and if you're if you're taking a two-story building, that's very different from a ten-story high-rise. So, right. but but just a general range. I, I mean, I would imagine that a lot of people that are considering converting office into multifamily are looking at one to two-story buildings. Mm -hmm. There yeah. are probably going to be some out there that are doing the taller deals. But let, yeah. let's talk about the one to two-story buildings. What would you expect on a price per square foot basis, assuming it was like a 1980s, 1990s build? So you don't have to worry too much about like cast iron pipe. Yeah, and stuff. Right. It's just got to completely be replaced. Yeah. I would probably, in that instance, I'd probably say two to three hundred dollars a square foot is is probably a range, and I know that's that's quite a large range, but that's I think that's uh, that's what you need to expect if you're you're getting into something like this, as yep. well as having to pay uh, a full set of engineers, most likely since you're having to bring it up to code. So on a project like that, most likely you're going to need an architect, an, a, a licensed architect mechanical, electrical, plumbing engineers, um, structural engineer, and a life safety engineer. So you've got like six people that you Everything. have to, six consultants, you know, that you have to pay right there. So um, that's never cheap. And that also will really link in that timeline of the project. It, these are, you know, projects like this, you're not really able to just go in there and get started and figure it out along the way. Um, you know, part, part of that's because of the zoning and the plan review, right? So um, you probably can do some selective demolition, which can really help in discovering what's going on and defining your scope. But um, yeah, so that that whole thing makes the process take a while as well. Yeah, that sounds pretty close to me. You know, when we were doing our the tower in Chattanooga, I mean, that was, uh, we bought it for $41 a foot and our total budget was going to be probably $8 million. And you got to think, you got to go in there and demo everything out. Yep. You got to figure out how you're going to move stuff up and down because, right. you know, typically you're taking the power out or, you know, you've got to work around some of the power to keep the elevator going. <laughs> Uh, you know, there, there are some frustrations with it, but I think our total budget was eight or 9 million yeah, going into that it. to convert it. And it's, it's not, it's definitely not cheap, but it was going to work on that project because we were doing micro apartment units that were going to rent for three to $4 a square foot gross right, uh, per month. Yeah. And, you know, it really comes down to the factor of, can you make the numbers work on the deal and how cheap can you get the office for? Because it might make sense to just build it new yeah, and tear it right. down. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. But like you were saying on your other project, if there's, you know, sometimes you you can have it can be advantageous in certain ways to keep that existing footprint and to not mess with things and build new because you get all sorts of things like the city 
uh, enforcing right of way requirements and, you know, oh, all yeah. sorts of other considerations like that. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes on these, these smaller units, let's say you did it as condos, um, you know, it's not uncommon for a condo to sell for five to $600 a square foot. That's right. You know, especially here in Nashville and, and other large cities. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's all about just making the numbers work. And I think it is feasible in some scenarios, especially when you've got a, an office building that's at really low occupancy. Right. I mean, I think I think you're you're onto something with the condos. I mean, that's that's typically what I've thought whenever I look at these projects. Is you know, it may not make sense as a multifamily rental yeah. unless you're able to just get outstanding debt terms, which of course yeah. it's going to be very tough to do right now. Yeah. But a for sale condo works all day. Yeah. Right? right. And you can take smaller buildings and do that. Right. I mean, there was a deal that I saw that was three stories, and they didn't do an elevator. They just did a walk up, and because you can get away with that on right. three stories. Yeah. At four stories, it totally changes, and you gotta you gotta completely re-engineer everything. But you can do a three-story walk-up, and it was a small building. I think that they had maybe two units per floor, so it was like six units, mm-hmm. and it was a very profitable deal because they were able to sell the condos at over five hundred dollars a foot. There you go. Yep. So it. it can be done. It's uh, very expensive. It can be tricky. So make sure that you have the right team and uh, are, are really approaching it the right way. I mean, Roberta, what other things should somebody be keeping in mind as they're going through this process? Um, man, I mean, I think just, I think first and foremost, selecting the right contractor is going to be really important. Make sure you have someone that does have commercial experience. It's, you know, although, you know, a lot of people think that condos or apartments are, are residential. Um, I get it. It has a lot of the same, uh, elements that a home does, but in terms of permitting inspections and, and, and codes, it's completely different. So I think making sure, you know, you get the right contractor involved. And I think always this goes for uh, whether you're converting office space or any other large development. I think having a, a really good set of plans, a well-defined set of plans, I feel like that's really where it starts. Because if your plans are good, then that's going to allow your contractor you know, to uh, enforce it on those subcontractors. It's just going to make it very clear what the scope is. And you know, just leaving, leaving a, as, as little up to judgment as possible, I think is really important in projects like this. Because when when you leave a lot of gray areas there, people make assumptions and you can't really hold anyone accountable. It's very hard to, to, to hold accountability when um, something isn't clear. You know? Yeah, so we've definitely seen that before. I yeah. mean, yeah. My, my grandfather was a contractor and it's so funny. I mean, he, if, uh, and, and he always kind of acted with us this way, but it's like, if there's no electrical outlets shown in the plans, mm-hmm. I'm not building electrical outlets. That's <laughs> yeah. not my responsibility. I'm building to the plan. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you got to make sure that down to the very little details that everything is accounted for. Mm-hmm. So if you're going through this process, make sure that you are checking the zoning or you're talking to your local council members or local politicians to make sure that they would support a rezoning. If you don't have it, budget two to 300 bucks a foot as you're going through this process to see if the numbers will work. Consider doing some condos. But also, when you're walking through the process, make sure you're checking out the HVAC. See where the plumbing is in the building. Check the electrical loads, because it may be a little bit different when you're converting from office into residential. And uh, as always, make sure that you are checking you know, ADA accessibility, things like that, to, to make sure that you are up to code and don't have to worry about sprinklers, hopefully, as you're going through it. Yeah, absolutely. Roberto, this was great, man. I think this was a, a very informational-packed conversation around converting office to multifamily. If somebody's interested in talking with you to maybe take a look at their deal and, and see if that's something that y'all could do, how can they find y'all? Yeah, they can just send me an email at roberto at jbgbuilt.com. So that's R-O-B-E-R-T-O at jbgbuilt.com. 
and shoot me an email there and I'll, I'll get back to them within a day or two. That's great. We'll, uh, we'll also put that in the show notes for everybody. That way you can just reach out directly to Roberto. Appreciate you guys joining us this week and we will see you next time. This episode of the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast is brought to you by CRE Launch Pro. This online commercial real estate program is designed to take you from beginner to pro commercial real estate investor with access to all of my courses, our online community, and monthly group coaching calls. Learn how to confidently buy your first commercial property today at www.crelaunchpro.com.